take your Bibles, open to Ephesians chapter 4, or if you want to follow along, it's uh, in the, our church app under notes. I, I don't think I'm educating anybody on the reality that we live in um, a time where we hear this statement uh, quite often. People say our nation is more divided now than possibly any time uh, since the Civil War. Uh, we understand that there is political divisions, there's conservatism versus liberalism, there's economic div divisions, you have capitalism versus socialism, you have uh, cultural divisions, we have Americanism versus globalism. And, and we look at this division and we don't think of that, the, we don't necessarily relate that to the time that Jesus came, but you know, Jesus came in a very united time of history. He didn't come in a divisive time of history. When Jesus was born and Jesus ministered, he ministered in a time where politics was Rome. Uh, there wasn't, there wasn't uh, any, any uh, financial fight. You were either a Roman citizen or you weren't. Uh, there were classes. You just were where you were at, and you were, you know, at best you could buy yourself into to citizenship. There weren't, there weren't cultural divisions. People were able to live out their, their cultural differences um, and, uh, and have Rome uh, have a place of protection for them. Now, there was religious division. In fact, Jesus came at a time where uh, he actually laid um, um, a divide between political, financial, and even cultural. And this division that he made caused people to come together around one particular thing. That's what we're going to look at today for a few moments. As uh, humanity, it's interesting, humanity always tries to achieve unity. And, and this isn't a bad thing. But the reality is, is that humanity can only achieve unity where Jesus Christ created unity. It's important we just get this right off at the beginning. Because as we've gone through the Apostles' Creed, we looked at the Father first, and then we move to the Son, and now we move into the Holy Spirit. And when we move into the Holy Spirit, we have this confession that is part of it. And I want us to say it all together. It's, I believe, ready to go with me? I believe, and in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, when, the, when this was written, there wasn't the Holy Roman Catholic Church. A Catholic means universal. There was a recognition that Jesus Christ and the work that he did at the cross brought people from every political background, from every socioeconomic background, from every cultural background into a place of unity. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit that ultimately accomplishes that. Now, if Paul was to pastor these birds, he would write something like this found in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. Well, he wouldn't use the word walk. He would say fly. In a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. See, we all come to church 
when we come to Christ a little bit like those birds. We like those of our flock. And it's easy to back and forth, right? In fact, when someone who is so profoundly different and unique from us, and they plop themselves right in the middle of our little clique, our little group, it's easy to place all of our focus on them. And that was what Paul was dealing with in chapter 4 of Ephesians. He recognizes that it's human tendency to just stick around the people that we're like. The people who talk like us, act like us, look like us, have the same kind of background as us. And when we do that, we really forget or we miss what Paul was writing about in the first three chapters of the book. Because he spends three chapters that, uh, that really uh, talk about the wealth, the beauty that we have in Christ Jesus. And so this, this chapter 4, verse 1, when he says, I therefore, whenever you have therefore, you should know that you got to know why it's therefore. That's right. And so he, he says, he's saying this because he wants us to not forget everything that he's written up to this point. What the early church, before the, the New Testament had been assembled, what they recognized is that while some were Roman, some were Greek, some were poor, some were rich, some were slaves, some were free, they were all different, but they were unique because they all had a unity of the Spirit of Christ. And so the way they operate in relationship, the way they dealt with one another, the way they moved one with another is different than the old life. And so it's that transition place where he kind of moves us from the worship to our walk, or you could say from the creed to our conduct or our wealth to our walk, or uh, in all of this, he's really bringing us to a place where we have to understand first and foremost the reality of our lives. It's, it's a choice that we've all been, uh, a calling that we've all been given. This call to live the life of Jesus. And so in this calling, we step out of an old life. And a big part of the old life is that we give up our right to say, well, this is my crew, and that's not my crew. We give that up because, because we're called to step out of something. Now, now we're saying, I no longer, now some of you, this you won't relate as much, but certainly we give up our individualism. In the world, and some of you are from a part of the world where, where, you're, where, where you were raised with a value, a cultural value of community, of, of family, of, of, of group. In fact, you find, you know, Asia and parts of Latin America um, are very common, and that's, it's, it's not, no single person has a decision. There's a collectivism in, in the life. But in the, in the northern hemisphere, in the United States and Europe and other parts of the world, we value our individuality. I choose my destiny. I'm going this way. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to fill my bucket list, whatever it is. But when we, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, we're called out of that belief. For those, and one of the things that I've enjoyed uh, the number of times I've heard Riota's testimony is, is that for if you come out of collectivism, sometimes you got to look at that group and say, I'm no longer part of that group. I'm part of this now. That's a hard decision. 
And we're challenged to that. There's people that go through that challenge. But for, for those that were raised where individualism is, is, is really uh, celebrated, we have a different decision. We have a different decision. Now we have to say, now I'm part of something bigger. I'm no longer going to say, I have a choice who I'm going to hang out with. I have a choice where I'm going to go to church. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't just say that. Because we're stepping out of an old life saying, hey, this is the life that I've stepped into. Because you're not, when you, when you say yes to Jesus, you've stepped out of your life and you've now stepped into his life. And his life is profoundly different. He understands that the enemy tries to divide, but the spirit is what unites. The spirit's what brings us around. He's the one, ultimately, that joins us together. He calls us, and get this, he calls us to walk with people who are different than us, who look different, who act different. He calls, us to, he calls us to walk in a way that, that we are, and he, what Paul does, he does a number of different things with attitudes and, and behaviors when he talks about walking humbly. Okay? The, the, the reality is, is that, that we've, we're called to no longer live a prideful life. You've heard the phrase maybe, uh, you know, you're supposed to take and swallow your pride. Have you heard that? Let me, let me give you just a little different take on that. Rather than swallowing your pride, just spit it out. Get rid of it. We, we don't have to walk with it. Because now it's not my life I'm living. I'm living his life. So no longer do I have to be abrasive with people who are around me. I can be gentle. Now I can, I can come in such a way where we walk in love. And, and, and I think that as we walk in love, we become people who deal in love. We, we, we start dispensing it out more and more. And it's because of the previous three chapters that Paul is calling us to that. Think of it a little bit like this. It, Paul takes the first three chapters, and, and he's writing to people who've already said yes to Jesus and the life of Jesus. He's already, he's already written to the people who've said, I surrender my life to Jesus, I follow him. And if you've ever seen this commercial, Paul starts really like this. He cites, wait, but there's more. It's not just that you're going to heaven. Now you have a life where you have a position in Christ. You have a destiny in Christ. You have a place in Christ. You have a purpose in Christ. You've been enabled by Christ, who through the power of his spirit enables us to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we can ask or think according to the power that's work within us. So therefore, now, now that you've stepped out and you've stepped in, now your life has been positioned. You've been given this ability to live in the context of relationship that is different. In fact, some of you probably have heard this. It may have never registered that when we met at some place for lunch or for dinner, and I had the... Uh, the responsibility of praying, which I rarely take after a Sunday morning because when people ask me to pray after church on Sunday, I said, I've already prayed, you pray. But in other cases where I, I'm asked to pray over a meal or something, I pray these words often. I say, Lord, thank you for the cross. Because of the cross, the relationship that is happening right now would not have otherwise happened. I always recognize that the, the relationship that I'm in is only happening, not because of how wonderful, awesome a person I am, because I'm not perfect. I told Clarissa a number of times, I'm only as close as you're going to get, but I'm not perfect. 
okay? But the reality is it's, that's, not, that's not why the relationship happens. The relationship happens because you, like me, have stepped out of your old life into his life. And some of the most enriched, precious relationships that my wife has and I have experienced over the years has been experienced only because of Jesus Christ. And so I give him thanks for that. But there is the calling. There's the, the reality that we're called to. But there's always the response. This really is our choice. This is where we really have to say, yes, Lord. And I know for some, that's hard. And we live in a day right now where the great debate is, should I be part of a church? And can I just tell you, you don't have to be part of a church. Not in the context that you're in right now. But if you're going to choose not to be in a church, you better be gathered regularly with believers who are challenging where you're at in your spiritual life because you will not grow on your own. Or you'll grow like a weed, and that's not good, and that'll just get plucked up somewhere along the line. Because we always want people in our life who are keeping us accountable to move forward and growing in the things of the Lord. The reason people are better at their jobs than they are at their Christianity is they're not in accountable relationships that are challenging them spiritually. They're just doing whatever seems good. But we're given a choice to, to step, into this, step into this reality, to step into this calling. And if you've said yes to the Lord, then you're already pre-positioned to say yes to the Lord. Because he chooses people who choose. When I think about predestination, when I think about Jesus saying many are called but few are chosen, I don't struggle with that because he always chooses a winner. He knows who's going to say yes to him. And so when Paul's writing this, he just kind of expects that people will continue to say yes when it comes to stepping in and living in and growing in the body of Christ. And I know that's difficult because the body of Christ is filled with weird, wacky, strong-headed, knuckle-headed people. In fact, if you've been in church long enough and, and you're part of a, a little bit larger body, you know, you've met the good housekeeping family. No? The good housekeeping family, when you just look at their life, it just seems like they're just so perfect and clean. Like they should be in the, the, the front of the cover of good, good religious housekeeping magazine. Okay, I experienced the Bible hitman, by the way. They infiltrate the church too. So it's, I don't know what day it was. Knock on the front door. I guess it was the ring went off. And, and, I, and I go up and I open the door. And, I, and then this is, was the mood I'm in. I'm thinking, oh, great, Jehovah Witnesses. How am I going to deal with this, Lord? And the guy says, are you a Christian? And I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then he just goes off on some tangent. And when we're here to share the gospel, and we're here, I'm like, dude, I'm a believer. He didn't even hear the words came out of my mouth. In fact, it was him and a, and a, a younger uh, husband and wife with a couple kids. I'm doing this with this poor man. I'm looking at him going, oh, help. <laughs> because I wasn't a Christian because I didn't read the King James Version of the Bible. And he was so focused. But hear me on this. Some people are so focused on their bent that they're incapable of opening up and being an authentic relationship back and forth. Some of you might be late bloomers. You didn't know that at the end of the, the prayer, you were just to sat, sit down. Somebody had to say, you can be seated. Because the church is just a whole different culture. It's a different way of life. Or maybe you are the faux worshiper. You know what a faux worshiper is? The faux worshiper is the person that's here only because they have to be. They're just going through the motions because somebody's going to hold them accountable. 
you've probably met the doctrine Nazi. It's my way, my doctrine, or the highway. The church is filled with lone worshipers. I'm just here to get connected to God, and, 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 and they disappear really quick. Uh, they, they live, um, in my estimation, on some different frequency, but uh, it kind of mixes with the, the invisible parts. So the church is just filled with all different kinds of people. And you're laughing because you're like, well, I've met one of those, and we never think of ourselves as being one or part of those very same people. But what really what allows us to respond is when we say yes to the Spirit's plan. Because the Holy Spirit, even today, has a plan for the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit has a plan for the universal church, of which we're just a small local part of. But even within our small local part, the Holy Spirit is working. He's the one that creates the body of Christ. No, no, none of us came to the cross and said yes without the Spirit wooing us there, without the Spirit drawing us and bringing us to that place where we could say yes. He has an active role in this specific area. And if you, if you, if you, if you find that you have a group of people that you begin to lead and you begin to minister to, you always have to remember that it's going to be the Holy Spirit that keeps them together. It's not going to be the right song. It's not going to be the right message. It's not going to be the right kind of advice. It's not going to be any of that stuff. It's only the Holy Spirit that ultimately bring people together. But it's the Spirit's plan to coordinate the body in which he is accomplishing his greater purpose in and through our lives. And so my response to that plan is, yes, yes, I want to be part of that plan. Does he give us full plan details? Oh, no, 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 he doesn't do that. And, and I, I would illustrate it this way. We, we don't want it. You know, the universities, they understand this, okay? They do, they do not give you the syllabus before you actually sign up for the class. Because once you sign up for the class and you see the syllabus, there's this moment of panic. How will I ever finish that? And so the Spirit's not going to give you the full plan. We just say yes to it, and he unfolds it. He did little by little. He kind of, he brings it out. But beyond that, we say yes because he has a purpose, and the purpose is very clear, very simple. His purpose is to glorify Jesus. He's not, he is not upset. He is not, he is not you know, find himself sitting in a corner going, oh, they don't even acknowledge me. No, his, his whole role is to go make sure that Jesus Christ is glorified. And let me tell you something. When the body of Christ is moving in the dynamic of the Spirit, Jesus Christ always looks good. He always looks good. I know that, that most of humanity, especially, you know, the longer you've lived in sin, it's just easy to see the bad stuff. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is alive and active in the world today, and you begin to get tuned in on that. You go, oh, wow, this is exciting stuff. And so you say, yes, I want to be part of that. I want to make sure that Jesus is looking good. In fact, Paul's writing when he says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. He recognized, he didn't understand the plan. He didn't understand it. it, it in, in his own heart and mind, how on the earth would, would, would the God of the universe throw him into jail when he's forever going from new territory to new territory to new territory, sharing the gospel, seeing people turn their lives to Jesus, living a life of Jesus, and then he finds himself in jail. But we can look back and recognize that it was his times in jail that we're reading about. 
that we wouldn't have the letters that we have unless he was confined in such a way that the only thing he could do is say, okay, Lord, what are you talking about today? What do you want to tell the, the church of Ephesus? I'm going to write that down. And so we don't always understand, but we understand that because it is his purpose is to glorify Jesus, don't think that your circumstance is not glorifying to Jesus. Just accept that, hey, I'm part of the body, and it may not look like this over here or that over there, but even in my current circumstance, Jesus Christ is going to be made to look good. But the other part is that we have to, we have to say yes, we have to respond to the Spirit's promptings, because he's always prompting. He's always attempting to get us in our individual state to move in such a way that the body of Christ is encouraged, the body of Christ is strengthened, so that the body of Christ might be able to show more love, so that ultimately Jesus Christ might be able to be more glorified, so his plan might be fulfilled. And so that's where Paul, he, he, he uses the words humility and gentleness and patience and love, uh, but, it, but this isn't a matter of us going, I'm going to choose to be humble today. I wish it was that easy. In fact, I, I got to just, I, I'm going to confess in front of everybody that, you know, I get around some of these college guys and I think, man, I still got it. And as long as we're just talking, I can still have it. But if we start doing some things, I can get humbled pretty quickly. But the fact of the matter is, it actually requires an action for us to recognize we don't got it. And when we step into an action, when we're doing something in the body of Christ, we recognize that somebody else has what we don't have. And so we have to take a step back and the Spirit's like, that's right. It's okay that you don't have that. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay that you don't have that. Wasn't that easy? Now look at them and say, I don't got it. <laughs> now that, that, right. Ah, see, all of a sudden, that's much different uh, buzzing around the room. Why? Because it's easy, it's easy to look at someone and just say, hey, we don't got it. But when it turns to yourself, now the pride begins to build up. You know, it's easy to say, I don't look like that bird. I don't act like that bird. But you begin to do that if you're not careful, you will miss the Spirit's promptings. Because as Paul's writing this, he recognizes that this isn't, this isn't void of the Spirit's activity. This isn't void of God's plan and purpose for us individually and corporately. That while we're in a situation, the Spirit prompts us to say, okay, maybe I ought not to be thinking that way. Or, I mean, I know that this probably doesn't happen to you, but I know it's happened to me. The Holy Spirit will just say, shut up. And that's some of the gentle things, gentlest things that you can do. That's some of the gentlest things you can do. Amen. Amen. All right, just want to make sure you get that. Because, listen, he's, he's prompting. But I want to I talk about two things specifically really quickly. Because he talks about bearing one another, uh, bearing with one another. And then he uses the, the phrase to maintain the unity uh, in the spirit and the bond of peace. I want to break those down just real briefly with you for a moment because it really is, has everything to do with the promptings of the spirit. When, when, he says, um, when he says bearing with one another in love, that's not the same with putting up with goofy, mean, harsh behavior. That is not what that is saying. Think of it a little bit like this, is that 
that there's a reason we get the words the word ball bearing and ball bearings allow things to rotate and to move around in the scriptures it's saying that ultimately that bearing is lifting lifting up um, the this preacher years ago said to me about uh, a situation that he was in that uh, this girl looked at him and says do you think i'm pretty and he looked at her and in his mind he's going no not at all. But he found a place to build up. He says, one thing is for sure. When you smile, you have beautiful teeth. He found one thing. And that's what the Spirit will do when he prompts us. When you get around somebody that you're, you feel awkward around or you don't know where, to, where you know, you're supposed to you know, even interact with them or even when, they're, when they are not behaving in a humil- humble way, when they're, when they're being harsh, when they're, when they're doing things that they should have stepped away from and they're doing it now, what do you do? Well, you say, okay, Lord, how do I lift up in love that person in this behavior? Oftentimes in the body of Christ, because in our modern day area where the church is not relationally connected, they just come together one Sunday a week and they come and they worship and they leave and they go their separate ways. Relationships aren't really built to the place where you can look at somebody and say, you got to stop that stupid behavior. You know, you can do that without somebody getting upset, but you better love them a whole lot first. And that can only be done mustache to mustache. That's a guy phrase, girls. That's a guy phrase. Mustache to mustache. You got to do that face to face. You got to show the love. You got to show that they're worth fighting for, that they're important. Then the correction can come. Otherwise, you just build up in love. You, you find the one positive thing that the Spirit's prompting you to say, and you do it again. Why did I use the, the analogy of the ball bearing? Because let me tell you something. In the body of Christ, that person will come around again. They'll come around again. Just like a wheel, it'll come right back around. And why? Because they, they've lived a life with so few encouraging words that when you begin to build them up, they're going to start coming around a little more more often. Some of you inside are already going, oh, great. I know that person. But that's where your patience needs to come. And then he says, maintaining the unity. And then the last part of that is a bond of peace. Because here's the, here's, here's the other reality. There are just some people that you just need to keep Jesus between you and them. This is reality. There's just some people that it's going to be Jesus between us. Because you don't connect. There's no, there's no relational bond whatsoever other than Jesus. So be eager to maintain that. Don't shove them away. Don't start needling at their little talons so they fall off the line because you know how that results. Because, because the reality is, is that, that when we see him, Everything's going to be known. And so, all right, I'm just going to keep Jesus between us. That's, that's an okay place. And you know that kind of person. And that's what Paul is talking about. Because, as my kids say, this is the closest that I ever get to a cuss word. There are knuckleheads in the body of Christ. There just are. And so you keep Jesus in between. Now, uh, the, the, one of the reasons I showed the, I showed the video is because that, that's, people don't realize that, that we step into something and that the Spirit has a plan and a purpose and promptings. And, and we, we don't realize the harm that happens when we gossip about people. 
when we, when we kind of walk away from a situation and, and, and if you're in the South or you're from Texas, you just say, bless their heart kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know, there's an incredible Old Testament example of this, of, of Noah, who in Hebrews 11 is recorded as a man of great faith. But people of great faith are still human. And Noah, after the flood, he, he managed to, to drink a bunch of Jack Daniels in his tent. And he passes out naked, which would not have been uncommon, by the way, in the day. And, and one of his sons walks in and sees him in his nakedness. And he walks out and makes a big deal of it. In other words, he gossips. But when you understand that there's a purpose and a plan of the Spirit, the Spirit will prompt you to just go in as his other two sons did backwards and just lay a blanket over the top of them. And I'll tell you, if the church decided to not run around and try to expose every nook and cranny of a person's life, we would not live as powerless as we live because his son was cursed. And when we choose to gossip and say things about other people who are different from us, who have issues that really ultimately when a person gossips, they're just talking about their own issues anyway. But, but they do that and we don't realize that's why we don't walk in the power that God intends for us to walk in. And so we keep saying yes to the spirit. I'm going to listen to your promptings because there is a result. And I want to kind of finish out here because this, this result that we end up with is an empowerment. The spirit, the, how the spirit operates in the context of the body and the holy Catholic church, universal church, he operates in the dynamic of the oil. And oil has a very profound usage. And the usage of oil in, in, in certainly in the industrial age and beyond is it allows two hard objects to work together without friction. And so the spirit is what buffers you and I as we work together. Peter said it this way, we are living stones. Well, that's an interesting analogy because I never really ever came across a soft stone. But yet when it's a living stone, the core is hard. And, and, and as you grow in the faith and you grow in your conviction of who Jesus Christ is, that, that grows even stronger. But, but if we're not careful, if, we don't, if we're not living stones, we live with a rigidness of our life where we can only be set next to and work with people who are shaped exactly like us. But when you understand that the spirit is involved, you get an empowerment to become flexible. That if a person is, is not pre-tribulation rapture, in fact, they're mid or post, you're like, okay, that's cool. We can still enjoy each other. We can still walk in unity together. Why? Because there's a flexibility without losing our convictions. And that's only done through the empowerment of the spirit. It allows us, then, then all of a sudden we, we find that the Spirit fills us more with His presence and the fruit of the Spirit become a normal way of life. We live, we live with other people just having a gentleness and a peace and a contentment and, and all these fruit that, that ultimately the fruit is, for example, if you, if you like raspberries, raspberry bushes don't eat raspberries. The raspberries that are produced are for others. And so the fruit of the spirit that's developed in your life, the character of Christ that is developed in your life is not for yourself. It's for those in the body of Christ. It's for those who are around you. 
And then you find that all of a sudden the gifts of the Spirit become more predominant in your life. You find that the Lord is speaking to you about the people around you. He begins to show you things in your smaller clusters of of relationships that you can speak love to people. Because the, the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 have the love chapter sandwiched right in between. Because the spiritual gifts are not about anything other than a God communicating his love in a miraculous way. I got a great text this week. It just just made my week. It's one of a number of things that God did this week that just thrilled my heart. But this is just a little caption of the text. It said, said this, the more God fills me up, I get more love and joy. My response is to pour it out to others. And there's a little bit in between, but what's that called? Well, that's called Jesus. That's what that's called. It's Jesus. Because there's a prompting of the Spirit, and they're, they're saying yes to the things of the Spirit, now there's this empowerment. And what you find is you become more effective. As you, as you, as you become more effective, the Spirit continues to change you. And, and the beauty of the Spirit changing our lives in the context of the body of Christ, get this, is that you actually fit better. Now you're not trying to be the greatest, the most awesome person in the church. You recognize that you're, you've been gifted by the Lord in a particular area and say, you know what? Now I can just live and operate here. Now I no longer have to go to church comparing and competing with people. Now I can complement and cooperate with the people who are around me. And, the, and I think the big thing on this whole thing is that, is that it's God's exclamation point to the world, because an exclamation point is simply a strong or intense emotion. And so now Christ is known by our differences. He's known through the various kinds of gifts that are, are happening. He's known by our love. Here's the beauty of what's going to take place Saturday and next Sunday. I want you to get this, is that there are going to be people who step onto this campus, whether outside or inside, and they're going to experience profound things that they're not going to even even at the moment recognize. They're going to experience people from different countries. They're going to experience people from different languages. They're going to experience people of different color. They're going to experience people with cool hair and people who have a spot on their head. All working together, showing the love of God. And they're not going to get it. In fact, I believe as, as we pray this week, we need to be praying that as we are, you know, helping them enjoy the games and helping them get their eggs and get signed in and going to the different booths and getting prayer and all the different things that we're going to do, that they're witnessing the love of God's people, not just toward them, but towards each other. Because it's our love one for another that will cause a person to turn and glorify their Father in heaven. That's the beauty of what's going to happen this week, and they're going to experience that. Why? Because all of us, in all of our different varying uniqueness, are going to be aligned. And we're going to be aligned in God's plan and God's purpose, showing love to this community giving them an opportunity to connect with Jesus and grow and step out of their life into the life that we've already stepped into. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to just unite us in a greater fashion. Let's ask him, ask us to help us step in 
to the body, to recognize the Spirit's promptings and say yes to Him so that in, then in all of our uniquenesses, we just see the power demonstrated of Jesus. Lord, we just give you praise that, Lord, we have been called to something so much greater than this world could ever offer. And we say yes. We say yes, Lord. Just say it to him. We say yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Lord, may we always be yes people. Yes, Lord. Your plan and purpose. May they prevail in my life, in each of our lives. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, you know the people you've placed around us. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ, that, Lord, we, this little community of, of Bethelites, Lord, that, that Lord, they, the, the community would see our differences, but even more, they would see Jesus in and through that unites us through the power of your spirit so that ultimately, Jesus, you might be glorified, not just in us, but through us, that they might see the love that we have one for another and they would want to step into that same reality. Oh, God, help us, Lord, we pray by your spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.